criminality in government with VT's Etienne de la Bossy squared right here, right now on VT Radio. Let's go with host Johnny Punish. Okay, we're back on VT Radio with the fantastic Etienne de la Bossy. Is that squared? Is that how you say it, Etienne? Squared. Uh, did I get it right? Ah, you did. That was uh, that was pretty good for a uh, first timer. Well, yeah. ATN is uh, is new on VT uh, VTForeignPolicy.com. Uh, is our first time speaking to you on VT Radio, ATN. For, first of all, explain your name. It's a very interesting story about the uh, ATN de la Bossi squared. So it's a nom de plume, a pen name, or maybe a nom de guerre, a war name. Okay. But the original Etienne de la Buissy squared was, a, or the original Etienne de la Buissy was a French political philosopher. He wrote in the 16th century, and he was really the first one to detail the little tricks and the techniques that rulers use, not just to get uh, obedience, but to get fealty and admiration and God save the queen and all hail the chief and and to get people to accept and go along with, with being ruled, even though that's not really in their interest. He was a little bit like Machiavelli. I like to say Machiavelli was kind of in it for himself. He was like, hire me, hire me, and I'll show you how to run these slaves. And Boise was different. He's like, yeah, these guys are jerks. Uh, the book that he's uh, uh, best known for, his magnum opus, is called The Politics of uh, Obedience, or The Discourse on Voluntary the discourse on voluntary servitude. And he really argued that, you know, once enslaved, uh, you know, most populations, they love their servitude. They, you, you, it's very hard to rouse them to regain their freedom. You know, they're willing to pay 50% income taxes here in the United States when you include, you know, all the income tax. They're willing, they're, they're, you can't get them off the couch. And so, uh, so he had a lot of insight and uh, a lot of the techniques that he, you know, described in 1530, they were already a thousand years old at that time and they're still being used today. And so when you read the book, you're like, holy crap, they're still using that technique on the population today. And so, yeah, it's uh, like so hundred uh, years later, right? It's incredible. It's like, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I, I, I took his pen name because I'm, continuing his work in the modern age i'm with my book government the biggest scam in history okay you know we're detailing out the little tricks and the techniques that the rulers are using to get people to go along with something that isn't in their interest amazing so let's talk about the atm because obviously you wrote that great book and uh uh is it available on amazon.com where is it available at uh, no, it's uh, it's available at government-scam.com. We're actually working on an Amazon launch, and we, we'll have it on Amazon in about two weeks. But right now, you can get it at government-scam.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been the best-selling book at uh, almost two dozen Liberty conferences and events. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're selling uh, copies in 22-plus countries. We've, had, we've sold over 6,200 hard copies. And we've had probably 20,000 downloads of the EPUB or various, uh, you know, versions of the book over the past four years. Incredible. And now, Etienne, tell me about this, your idea of criminality in government. We're going to talk about that because that's a big issue these days. Tell me what's your perspective on criminality in government? Well, I mean, the first thing I should tell you is I'm a voluntarist. And a voluntarist is someone that thinks that all relationships between human beings have to be voluntary. Nobody gets to use violence or extortion or theft, even if you call it a euphemism like taxes. 
Uh, the government doesn't have rights that you don't have. Nobody has rights that you, that that other people don't have. The government doesn't get an exemption an, an exemption from morality. And the fact that they're using violence and extortion and indoctrination, these are kind of how you know at the top that they're bad people. And so, number one, I don't believe in the legitimacy, the desirability, or the necessity of having a government at all. And in fact, in the book, you know, I, I encourage the, the reader to really think of government as a, as a technique used to rob and control populations. And kind of the good news message of the book is that, you know, mostly what the government does is they're a provider of services, uh, you know, armed protective services that they call the police, dispute resolution that they call the courts, um, air traffic control, delivering the mail, uh, you know, running the worst and slowest passenger train system on the planet. You know, uh, all I go on and on, but, uh, you know, almost all of these services except redistribution, which is immoral and wrong and, and the government shouldn't be doing that at all. But all the services that provides from building the roads to, you know, you name it, all of that would be done better, faster and cheaper by the free market, by co-ops, by insurance companies, by nonprofits, by uh, mutual aid societies, by genuine charity. And we really don't need government. And so the world is this self-organizing system. It produces spontaneous order. And if the government hadn't stepped in and said, only we can provide armed protective services, only we can provide dispute resolution, only we are going to run this railroad, then the market would have provided those things, but the government essentially gives itself a monopoly. And so you, you end up getting, you know, uh, you know, crappy service. The U.S. Postal Service is a, is a great example. They've actually lost money every single year for the past 15 years. They're 97, uh, you know, uh, they're 97 billion. They've lost $97 billion over the past 15 years. And they can't even deliver the mail in in you know in a in a in, in, in an acceptable time frame. Tremendous amounts of losses. You know, we're shipping the book to 22 countries, and the the post office loses our shipments all the time. I mean, I can show you pictures of boxes that arrive busted open with no books in them. You know, like it's it's just it's a, it's an embarrassment to people. Now, would UPS? or DHL or FedEx, would they uh, deliver first class mail? You bet. Would it be a lot better? You bet. Why don't they? Because the government says only the government can do it. And so, uh, so we think that the market would, would, would provide those services. Now, so, so with that, now you're starting to figure out. So that's why we say government is the biggest scam in all of history. Because most people have been indoctrinated to believe that government is legitimate, desirable, and necessary before they're old, really old enough to evaluate the logic and the morality of that claim. But what we do in the book and, and the you know the argument that I'll make right here, you know, to your to your listeners and to your viewers is is that it's impossible to have a moral, legitimate government. And so you can't have it, you know, the, the idea in the, you know, the U.S. tradition that, um, you know, four to five dozen slave owners, lawyers and politicians on a nation of on a, on a continent of three million people can go into a room and sign a piece of paper saying that they're in charge. They get to make up rules for everybody and steal the wealth of others and then have some elections 
and then you know say, oh, look, we get to rob everybody, all three million people on this continent. I mean, it just doesn't fly, and it doesn't fly in it for a continent of three million people, but it doesn't even fly for an island of 10. And so for the same reason that, that my girlfriend and myself can't vote that Johnny gives us all of his money, because there's two of us and one of Johnny, well, it doesn't matter if there's three of us or 10 of us or 230 million people voting that Johnny has to give us his money. There's no magical additional person in democracy that makes something that would be immoral and illegitimate now moral and legitimate just because the mob wants to rob Peter to pay Paul or lynch black folks or whatever it is the mob wants to do. Just because they outnumber their victim doesn't mean that it's right. And so as an adult, when you really step back and you say, is government legitimate? Is there, you know, can you be bound by a social contract that you didn't sign? You know, can, uh, you know, it, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, can, uh, does the majority get to vote money away from the minority? You know, these things like, you know, they're not legitimate at all. And so once, once, you know, you, you confront most people with these facts, they're like, oh, I've never really thought about that. I was just forced to go to the mandatory government school where the government teacher teaching out of the government textbook taught me that government was legitimate before I was old enough to really go, hey, wait a minute, is that really a fact? And so that's the one thing that you never see talked about on the, on the, on the media. It's the one thing you never see talked about in a government school or rip off university is, is government legitimate at all? Right. That's a good point. Um, of course it's not talked about on mainstream media. It's not in their best interest, right? No, no. So the, so the subtitle of the book is how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia. And so the, the thesis is, is that they've been getting away with it because it's been a partnership between the government and the media and they're controlling perception by controlling the information that society receives. And so that, you know, that starts with the mandatory government school where they force you to go to either their schools or, or a school that they have accredited that, it, that gets to be a private school by agreeing to teach the government's curriculum, okay? Or uh, it's, it's a monopoly media system, and we break it down in the book with a, with a number of visualizations and media ownership charts. You know, most people don't really realize that, you know, on the old media side, there's, there's six companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries to give everybody the illusion mm. that there's all these different information sources in society. But when you really roll it up and see who owns who, you know, News Corp doesn't just own Fox News. They own 175 newspapers. They own magazine publishing. They own television distribution, television programming. They own movie uh, studios, movie distribution. They own satellite networks like Sky. And, and so these are, you know, like, like when you really, you know, begin rolling it up, there's really a small handful of people that are controlling all of the information that society receives on the old media side on the new media side there's three to four dozen kind of new media internet companies um these are search engines video streaming sites social media sites it's google yahoo youtube, uh, YouTube yeah. um, facebook twitter uh, discuss that does comments on tens of thousands of websites snopes uh, amazon prime netflix and, and these companies are algorithmically censoring the information that they used to see. This is what came out in the Twitter files with Matt Taibbi. He called it the censorship industrial complex. Uh, 
Uh, but you've got a network and, and his and his you know censorship industrial complex. He, he identified 50 different institutions, governmental, academic, uh, 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 non-government organizations, and others that were involved in censoring truth include information, including truthful information about the COVID, about the vaccines, about you know anything that would cause quote unquote vaccine hesitancy. And so, uh, so now this, you know, the information to, to society is being controlled uh, through this monopolization of the media and through this algorithmic censorship of the what I like to call the DARPA internet. A lot of people forget that the that the internet was a military network and to this day remains a military network, and it's being censored the same way that you know you could censor information on, on military networks today. And so, uh, so it's, you know, on every single channel, government's legitimate, the government's the hero, it's always the government saving the day, whether it's Tom Cruise as Top Gun Maverick, or Tom Cruise as a CIA agent, or the President of the United States flying fighter jets to protect the country from invading aliens, you know, the government is being made the hero, and they're using unethically manipulative techniques of product placing the American flag at moments of high positive emotion, which is a technique called anchoring. It's a propaganda technique where they'll build the you audience. Top Gun Maverick? Is that what you're talking yep. about? <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm talking about like Top Gun Maverick. My favorite example is, uh, is Matt Damon in The Martian. And I don't know if you remember that, but the whole movie builds to this, you know, is he going to be able to get off Mars? No, something went wrong. He's not going to make it. No, he is going to make it. He's going to make it. Yay. And then they cut to Earth and everybody's waving American flags. And then they cut to Mission Control and there's giant American flags on the on the backdrop. And so a lot of people have been tricked and duped and chumped into having a feel good for the American flag, even though the American flag is the banner of the of the organization that's stealing half their income and overt taxes, covert taxes and inflation because the government has been running this game like a pimp game on them. The government's been paying for these flag worship ceremonies at stadium events, football games, hockey games, basketball games, the flyovers. They're they're running these unethically manipulative techniques. And what we're doing in the book is we're sh- saying, hey, look, it's a whole playbook of techniques. The Nazis did the same thing. The Soviets did the same thing. East Germans did the same thing. Yeah, you know, so it's here's- not exclusive to the United States government. No, no, they all, they're all running the exact same game to a degree on their populations. And then they're tax farming their populations. So they're they're putting them in mandatory government schools. They've got these youth programs, and the you know, in, in, in Nazi Germany, it was the Hitler Youth. In uh, the Soviet Union, it was the Young Pioneers and the Komsomol. In East German, it was the East German Young Pioneers. In the United States, it's the, it's the Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, uh, Weeblos, and Explorer program. At the in the Explorers, that's when the kids get militarized. That's when they get guns. But they're taking the kids, they're shaving their heads, they're putting them into the uniform, single form conformity, and then they're running a variety of unethically manipulative techniques to get them indoctrinated to accepting hierarchical command and control, love of the uniform. You know, they're doing things like taking the American flag and, and putting it in, you know, in a manipulative way into burial ceremonies. 
so that you associate the flag with your loved one. You know, like they're running this kind of pimp game on the population. And if you don't understand that it's going on, then you're not really even in the game. If you right. don't understand. Well, that, we're like, talking about the average serfs, right? I mean, obviously, you know. Now you have a high end audience. And so I know that like, oh, a lot yeah. of your audience. No, 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 yeah, no, I'm not yeah, insulting yeah. my audience at all. Uh, uh, but I, I mean, the majority of us are, I call myself, I'm a surf, you know, living on a dirt road mm-hmm. with an email address, you know. Um, I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to escape the system. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I currently don't live in the United States. I haven't lived there for 25 years, uh, precisely because it is the head of the empire. And, uh, you know, yeah. I just removed myself from that empire a long, long time ago. So it's, it's, I'm trying to live relatively free in an unfree world. And it's a tough deal. I wanted to ask you, is there any place on planet Earth that you're aware of where that has relative freedom or pure freedom. Yeah. So one of the things that, that we cover in the book is that we have a list of, uh, of libertarian or voluntarist communities where people are beginning to vote with their feet and they're beginning to concentrate in certain geographies with other liberty lovers, you know, here in the United States, you know, uh, they're, you know, the kind of the best known examples are Idaho, which has uh, been called the Great Redoubt for for over, for over two decades, where you know, the, like the whole the whole the whole state is almost f the government, and right. if the government ever tried to roll into Idaho, I think they would just be scragged from every window on the street, you know, every window on the street, kind of a thing. Uh, the other one uh, in the United States is New Hampshire, which is where the Free State Project is, and the the Free State Project is a an effort that has organized over 25,000 uh, voluntarists, libertarians, peaceful anarchists to concentrate in the state of New Hampshire. Um, they've had 25,000 that have pledged. They've had somewhere between 6,500 and 10,000 plus that have moved there or that already live there and support the project. And so it's a huge, huge amount, you know, uh, uh, for a state that you know, only has. 1.3 million population uh, to have that concentration of activists, you know, people that are willing to move for, for freedom. You know, that's, that's kind of very, very exciting. Um, we cover uh, Roratan. And so there's a, there's a private. And that'd be Honduras, right? Honduras off the Isle of, it's an Island off the, off of Honduras that has a, uh, a private uh, settlement called Prospera which is in one of the, the, the special economic zones in Honduras where they have pre-negotiated governance as a service. And so that the people that move there, they know that they're going to pay, you know, this tiny percentage of, of tax on income. They know that they're going to have to deal with this very small amount of, of regulations and rules. They know, they know what they're getting into, you know, uh, ahead of time. Um, there is a free Providence project similar to the Free State Project in Canada that is organizing Canadians to move to New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to free the province of, of New Brunswick the same way they're trying to free New Hampshire and the United States. Uh, you know, those are some Canadians are really pissed off right now. I mean, in the last couple of years, the, the response to COVID by the Canadian government was really bad, according to Canadians. And I, I've heard a lot of complaints by Canadians. They're, they're just sick of it. Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. I had, you know, I had some friends uh, of mine that uh, flew out of Canada on a private jet and, and landed in Sedona, um, uh, you know, last, last 
year to just kind of, kind of get out of Canada. And so like more and more people are escaping Canada. I know I've got several friends that are former Canadians that have left Canada and voted with their feet and came to the United States. And so, uh, so it, you know, like it's not, uh, what a lot of people don't realize the, the, the degree of tyranny that the Canadians are experiencing. And I think if, if, you know, because they have very strict gun laws and, and they just have a fraction of the population that's armed, the only thing that's kept that from really happening here is the fact that we are armed and it just wouldn't fly. Like a lot of, you know, uh, I was in Coeur d'Alene in the, you know, in Idaho, you know, talking about the great redoubt, uh, in the, in this peak of the COVID and nobody was going along there. I saw, you know, I saw thousands of people in Coeur d'Alene cause we went to, a went down to the, they are, they were on a lake and they have this beautiful, beautiful lake with white sand beaches and uh, there was a race going on along the, the kind of the, the, the lakefront and everything. And there were thousands and thousands of people in six masks, a family of four that looked like, what's going on? Why is anybody wearing any masks right. that obviously were there like tourists and then two solos. But like we only saw six masks at the peak of the COVID in Idaho. They're just not like they're not going along with it. They're not, you know, their their sheriffs aren't going along with it. They're elected legislators aren't going along with it. And so like, you know, like it never made the news, but there's just a lot of places in the United States that didn't go along with the COVID and wouldn't go along with any draconian, you know, government, uh, you know, uh, uh, overreach uh, that, that was attempted, uh, you know, like I said, like, you know, uh, uh, Idaho is one of, you know, example, New Hampshire, um, Florida didn't put up with it. Texas didn't put up with it. There's, you know, there's a lot of places, the Dakotas, South Dakota didn't put up with it. Um, I went to a couple of conferences in South Dakota cause they were the only ones that were, you know, open for business and weren't requiring masks and weren't requiring everything like that. So everybody just moved their conferences to South Dakota. Freedom Fest was there. The, uh, the, uh, the, um, uh, the red pill expo was in South Dakota during, during this. And so people just were going like, like there was voting with their feet and moving to, to jurisdictions that wouldn't go along with the silliness. Incredible. Let me ask you another question, Etienne, uh, about money because money, uh, is the issue, right? I saw that you wrote on VT about the banking system and, and the monopoly yeah. and the federal reserve. Um, what's your feeling about money and how does that fit into what you're talking about? So, I mean, money is really the stranglehold that has allowed this organized crime system to monopolize the media and to buy up the government into political puppets and, uh, and, and this, this theater that we see today. And, and so, you know, um, you know, on the website right now, there's an article, there's two articles. One of them is called the private federal reserve and the, th the theft of fractional reserve banking. But the, the, the biggest scam that the government is involved in by far is, you know, in 1913, you had a, you know, a group of bankers that lobbied and bribed the government to create, to pass the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, which created the private Federal Reserve to backstop the money center banks to engage in something called fractional reserve banking. And so the basics of the swindle are when you go to a bank to get a, a, a mortgage or a car loan or a loan of any kind, they're not loaning you depositor money. They just tickle the ivories and credit your account with digital dollars, even though uh, that's inflationary and even though that reduces the, the, the purchasing power of all the other dollars in circulation. 
And so if you really think about it, in every city uh, you know, on the planet, the largest building is almost always a bank building. Okay, and so what is allowing these banks to make these exorbitant, you know, outsized profits? It's this, it's the criminality of the money system. And so absent a crooked money system, your dollar should be buying more and more every single year as innovations and improvements in productivity and different technologies reduce the cost of either producing or distributing the luxuries and necessities of life. But instead of your dollar buying more and more, your dollar is buying less and less. And the reason is, is the banks or the government, as they create all of these excess dollars, either through fractional reserve banking or quantitative easing or stimulus or bailouts or whatever the the reason is, well, all of those dollars begin competing for a fixed amount of goods and services, and it begins bidding the prices up. And so that's the dynamic is that, you know, most people don't realize that, you know, absent this crooked monetary system, you're not being just being robbed of the purchasing power of your dollar. You're actually being robbed of the reduced costs that you'd pay for everything that you buy and the purchasing price of your dollar. And so it's a kind of economic warfare against the population to keep them artificially poor so they don't have the resources to get organized and go after this organized crime system that is now, you know, bought up the media. So the media isn't going to tell you why the dollar is losing value. You know, what's really going on with this crooked monetary system. But that is, that's the, the, the crux of it. The other article that we have up on the website is, uh, is monopoly, duopoly and triopoly where we really break down how, you know, that the, the, these banks are providing this unlimited fractional reserve banking to a small handful of companies to buy up and monopolize and consolidate their own industries. And so, you know, they typically don't leave one, for, if they only left one company standing, that would be obvious. So they leave duopolies and triopolies. And so, uh, you know, it's, you've got Walmart and Target. You've got Coke and Pepsi. You've got UPS and FedEx. You've got Office Depot and Staples. You've got Sam's Club or Costco. You've got, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on, but I think you're, you're getting the idea. You've got Democrats and Republicans. It's the illusion right. of choice, you know, and then typically both of those firms, you know, the majority ownership or the largest individual owner is either BlackRock or Vanguard or State Street. And these are the firms that appear to be managing the companies that 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 have been stolen through fractional reserve banking. So having this, yeah, what is BlackRock like the fifth largest country in the world in terms of uh, the amount of money they manage, or something like that? It would be the third. It would be the third. So they they've they've gone back a bit. So they're they've got about eight trillion under management. At one time, they had close to ten trillion. What the hell is that? It, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And so, so the example that I give, you know, that I like to use, I've got two of them. You know, if, if I have a dollar and you, dear listener or dear viewer, have a dollar and we have the only two dollars in the world, I have 50% of the world's wealth and you have 50% of the world's wealth and a 
a bank or a government comes along and creates two additional dollars, either through fractional reserve banking or through quantitative easing or stimulus or whatever the, the excuses to, that the government uses to print money, well, now I've been reduced to 25% of the world's wealth. You've been reduced to 25% of the world's wealth. And the bank has just stolen by counterfeiting the money 50% of the world's wealth. And so that's really what's been going on. The other, the other analogy I like to use is, you know, imagine you're playing Monopoly and the banker is cheating and the banker is reaching under the table when nobody's looking and taking out, you know, grabbing $500 bills. Well, at the end of the game, who owns everything on the board and who are renters and debtors? And so that's really what's going on is the banks have been cheating. And so they've now taken this ridiculous pile of money that they've been able to create out of, out of nothing. And they've bought up all of the, the major plant property equipment, real estate. They've been working on it since 1913. They've bought it all. And the, 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 uh, for, for the average person, it results in less job opportunities, lower salaries, uh, you know, loss of purchasing power of what their dollars should be buying. And so we're really, we're being robbed wholesale. Like most people just don't realize how wealthy they would be if it wasn't for the government, not just stealing, you know, half of their money and overt taxes and covert taxes, but really, you know, the biggest theft is, is they're, they're having this economic warfare waged against them where, where the people are stealing the value out of their money in a way that most people really don't understand and can't put, you know, wrap their head around. And so that really is the biggest, you know, theft in the, in the system is this, the, the hidden theft of inflation. Yeah. Let me ask another question. Um, is there any currency out there? Well, let's say Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It's decentralized. It's it's not run by the government, so to speak. It's uh, it's in the ether. Is that a possibility that could be uh, a chance for an average person to get out of that system? What, what's your feeling about that? Hold on, I'll show you something cool. Good. I don't know if you've seen one of these yet. Have you seen Let's a gold see. back? No, a gold back. Uh, go ahead. What's that? It's flexible, spendable gold. Okay. Yeah, and so now there's, you know, there's like every, most people know about, you know, cryptocurrencies, but there's also, you know, fle- there's now flexible, spendable gold that's legal, legal tender, and and right now four states. So I think uh, New Hampshire, uh, Utah. Uh, and one other state I'm forgetting, I think it's three states and I think they're about to do South Dakota as the fourth state, if I remember correctly. Uh, but now you've got the, you know, uh, you've got flexible, spendable gold. I was just at, um, the Porcupine Freedom Festival in New Hampshire, which is the, the largest event of the Free State Project. And, uh, I sold almost $300 worth of, uh, of books for goldbacks. And so, uh, two years ago. I sold almost, I sold hundreds and hundreds of dollars in crypto. Last year, I sold half of my books in crypto, half of my books in gold back. This year, I sold, uh, I sold, uh, the, I didn't take, nobody offered me crypto at all, but I took almost $400 in gold backs. And so these are, you know, there, there's, al- there's, there's alternative ways where you can protect the uh, purchasing power of your dollar. 
by diversifying, you know, some of your uh, dollar denominated assets into uh, gold backed currency or inflation proof cryptocurrencies or, you know, or other things that are, that are, you know, non-inflationary uh, bullets. I somebody bought, uh, I gave somebody a 35 cent credit. They bought a, they, 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 cause they knew I took, I took ammunition in trade and I took five rounds of nine millimeter parabellum. Basically old school bartering. I, it was old school bartering. I also took, I took almost uh, I took almost a hundred dollars in silver. And so they had these like little silver barter pieces. I don't have one near me, but they were, but people were transacting in silver. And so I took, uh, I took barter silver uh, you know, I, I sold one of my books the other day uh, for a one ounce uh, sunshine mint round and a uh, uh, a uh, what is it? The old uh, dollar uh, U.S. silver dollar. I forget which one it was. It wasn't the Walking Liberty. It was uh, the other one. But like I, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I I I love getting uh, inflation proof assets for my for my book so i'm, I'm right, very right. willing to trade so we're not condemned as a, as a as a as a human to 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 be a slave to this uh government sponsored currency uh you think there's different ways to get out of the system is, is that what you're trying to tell me well what i what i think is going on right now is i think that you're you're sitting i mean we're we're definitely in this information war where you know the the, the massive society is having the information about what's really going on controlled to it through this monopolized media, through this algorithmic censorship of the internet. And then, you know, we're, you know, very much like the Nebuchadnezzar, you know, getting uh, the pirate signal out to the people going, hey, we've got an organized, it's not a you know, it's not a political problem. We've got an organized crime problem. This is intergenerational organized crime. They're running government as a technique to rob and control, uh, you know, our population. The other countries are doing the exact same thing on their tax slaves. It's a kind of tax slavery. It's the mafia model of slavery. And more and more people are figuring that out every single day. And so I just I don't think that they're going to be able to stop the signal in the information age. And so you don't have to you know, you don't have to wake up everybody. But you've just got to wake up the intelligentsia and the professoriate and the you know the entrepreneurs and the business executives, the the people that have a, the ability to influence others, bloggers, vloggers, publishers, and then they drag the rest of society. And that's what's starting to do. We're starting to you know we're starting to wake up more and more people as to hey we've got organized crime in Washington D.C. And so I, I actually think I'm very optimistic. I think, you know, we're going to win this thing. I just don't see any way to, to hide this knowledge in the information age. So you, so you don't think it's the right, the left, the, the Democrat, the Republican. It's the system itself. Uh, yeah, the system itself is 100 percent crooked and has been essentially engineered to keep the population in this kind of tax slavery. And so the system is unreformable. You're you know, you're not going to win the rigged poker game of elections. You're not going to win the, you know, like you're, you're not going to win in their crooked system. And the people that are, you know, telling you to vote harder, 
they're they're wasting their time and your time. I mean, the the we're gonna have to go build our own alternative system, and that's really like you know what you're seeing, and whether it's Prospera on the Isle of Roatan on Honduras, or whether you see you know what's going on with the Free State Project or the Free Providence Project in Canada. You know, people are voting with their feet and they're building the new thing. Uh, they're not, you know, they're, I mean, they're going to, like, I think that New Hampshire is going to be the first state to secede from the federal government and say, hey, we're just going to go at our, you know, we're going to go at our uh, alone. And then once they do it, I think you're going to see Idaho, Texas, Florida, uh, you know, the, South Dakota and others that are going to be fast followers. I think it's going to be like the four minute mile. But that's my prediction is that New Hampshire is the state that goes first. And, and, and rolls it back to the state government, they already have a state government that's just minuscule. Right. The House is, 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 a, is large because they've got a you know, good you know, population, but from a st- spending standpoint, you know, they, don't have a, uh, uh, they don't have a state income tax, they don't have a state sales tax, so they've been forced by the population to be very, very frugal. And so it's, I think it's going to be fairly easy to you know, continue to privatize government in uh in new hampshire until it's you know just at a bare minimum protecting life liberty and property and then you know i think that that will ultimately be privatized as well but i mean that is real freedom not the fake freedom you're taught in school you know real freedom the difference between a free man and a slave is that uh is that slaves can't say no and so, you know, right now with this government, you're in a pot, you're in a position where you can't say no to it. And that's not, that's not freedom. And uh, to think that that's freedom is delusional. Incredible. I'm going to leave it at that, a uh, Incredible uh, uh, amount of time you spent with me on VT Radio. Go ahead and tell me again about your book and where our VT readers can, can find it again, please. So the, the book is Government, The Biggest Scam in History Exposed. As I mentioned, it's been the best-selling book at almost two dozen Liberty Conferences and events. We back everything up. Uh, with a flash drive that we call the Liberator that oh, goes okay. in your you go into your credit card size flash drive, 64 gigabytes, the EPUB version of the book, uh, documentaries, short videos, 1500 plus dank Liberty memes, uh, truth music from the from the uh, movement's leading artists. Awesome. Uh, you know, everything that's being censored off the internet, that's at government scam forward slash liberator. And then you can find uh, all of our work. We're a startup public policy organization, the Art of Liberty Foundation, artofliberty.org. And all of our writings are on Substack at artofliberty.substack.com. Incredible. And all VT readers out there and followers, if you like this show, don't forget to get your VT cup, support our channel. Uh, one thing, uh, just so you know, Etienne, uh, we've been, uh, we're on the Global Disinformation Index blacklist. So, you know, that's how they got us in terms of censorship. They didn't, they didn't get us off the internet. What they did was they cut off our financial legs, right? So we can't reach the major ad networks and, and we get, we get down on the Google search and YouTube censors us. We can't talk about COVID. We can't talk about election 2020, you know, this is all the censorship that goes on with us. And so we're, we're constantly fighting that. So if you're out there listening to this and you like this show, support us by going to buy me a cup of coffee. Uh, it's on our website on the right side in any article you'll see the, the link click on it donate five dollars or or become a member at eight dollars a month we'd really appreciate it and uh, atn i want to thank you for being on the first time on vt radio an incredible interview incredible enlightenment thank you for sharing your knowledge with everybody and wow i'm just uh, blown away man 
Appreciate hey, it. Hey, Johnny, thank you for what you do. And I want to encourage everybody to get that cup of coffee. I'm a coffee buyer and I encourage everybody else to buy, uh, to buy you guys some coffee as well. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, take care, buddy. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.